I'm Rob Skinner, and this is the Rob Skinner Podcast. Today on episode 82, I'm going to talk to Mufid and Jesse Tomei from Beirut, Lebanon. They lead the church there. Jesse is also a radio and TV host with her own program. They experienced the August 4th explosion at the port of Beirut, and they've spearheaded efforts to help the city recover through their Rise Up program supported by Hope Worldwide. All this and more on episode 82 of the Rob Skinner Podcast. Welcome back to the Rob Skinner Podcast. My goal is to inspire you to live a no-regrets life, make this life count, and multiply disciples, leaders, and churches. I'm so happy today to have Mufid and Jesse Tomei from Beirut, Lebanon on the program. They experienced a bomb last year that just changed the world uh, in, in the port of Beirut, and they'll be talking about that. Not only that, they're growing their church, and it's actually accelerating in growth, and they're going to be sharing about that program So uh, that they're doing. So I look forward to that. Mufid and Jesse, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you. Thank, thank you, you for having us, Rob. Can you tell us how you became Christians? Yes, actually, I, uh, I met the church in October 96, coming back from my work abroad in Africa, and uh, became a disciple in uh, January 97. Uh, and I'm originally from Lebanon. And uh, I, I'm, we're still here in Lebanon. So I became a disciple that time. Uh, Jesse. Yeah. Uh, my brother, my youngest brother, he used to be a disciple. So he invited me. I was engaged and ready to get married in two months, not to Mufid, to another, uh, to another guy. And, you know, they asked me to study the Bible. And honestly, I had everything every woman wants, but I was miserable uh, mm. from inside. And then they studied the Bible with me and the love of Jesus, you know, you know, like uh, I felt, you know, the compassion, the love. And I took the decision to leave everything, my house, my wedding dress, my ex-fiancé, everything to be a disciple. And since then, since um, 99, yeah, 22 July, 22 April 99 till now. <laughs> lucky, lucky me. That's, that's great. Now, Mufid, what were you doing for work when, you're, when you became a Christian? Uh, I was actually managing uh, the Middle East airline in uh, Morovia, Liberia. I, I come from a travel world of, that's my job. I used to work as in travel agencies and in airlines. So I used to manage the Middle East, the, the Lebanese airline in Liberia. And a civil war broke there, actually. And I was, I was nearly killed there. I was really nearly killed. So I came back lost everything, my house, nearly lost my, my life, came back here very depressed. During that time, uh, by some friends, I was invited to church. And what brought me, honestly, I, I just needed friends. I needed somebody to, yeah. to be there for me, you know? And it, the first day, just I walked in, heard the lesson. Then I asked them, I said, can I speak? 
<laughs> they didn't allow me. I said, why? <laughs> I told them, you know, I feel my life changed from that day. And actually, since that day, I never missed. <laughs> That's fantastic. Now, I've heard that in, in the Middle East and in Lebanon in particular, people become Christians through family. So it's, isn't it kind of unique that you just walked in and became a Christian without any family members part of the church? You know, those who were part of the church that invited me, they are very close to me. Uh, they, they are actually nearly family, but they are not immediate family. I see. So it is actually you have to come through a trusted friend or a family. That's always, it's always like this here. I see. Okay. So you guys got married in 2000. What, what was it that, that attracted you to each other? Jesse, you're coming off of a broken engagement. It must have been challenging. How did you guys get together? Honestly, when I first became a disciple, I wasn't planning on getting married at all because I left everything. And for me, I just wanted to live for God. And I was praying every time I pray. And honestly, what I loved about Mufid, it's his spirituality and his love for God. I always wanted to hear him speaking and preaching the word of God. His deep conviction and you know as as a i'm the opposite of mufid i had everything i had money i had position i had job i had a fiance i had a house nice house everything every woman wanted so i gave up everything because i found jesus so i this i was praying and i said god i you know led my life all those years and it led to destruction but now i want you to lead my life and choose the one who's gonna together we wanna build your kingdom. <laughs> and I'm praying Mufid is either calling me, sending me message, etc. And I love honestly the way he loves God, and I trusted that he was chosen by God for me, you know. Mm. And in less than a year, we got ten months. Ten month no waste of time. Like it was a miracle. Now, if someone will tell me this, I'm like scary. No crazy don't do that you know i couldn't risk more than 10 months but, the whole church uh, were singles you know? <laughs> a lot of competition honestly what attracted me to jesse beside her beauty is uh is the way uh she surrounded surrounded everything completely for god and allowed the holy spirit to work through her mm. i could see her in a in in, in very very short period of time she was able to actually change and change so many people around her. Uh, I, I was watching her, how, how much she allowed God to use her. And you know what? This is what I wanted, a spiritual woman. And how if God give you a spiritual and a beautiful woman. That's You're right. so blessed. That's right. You know? any, any advice, Jesse, for I think one of the challenges that disciples face is trusting God that he's going to bring somebody maybe better, than a relationship that was in the world um, that he's going to provide? Any, any advice you would give to a, a disciple, just worrying about that? Yeah, uh, you know, like I, I, I've been dealing a lot with the campus student, uh, single woman, where it is a big challenge for them to trust really God in this area. And when they hear my story, they ask me how you could do that. Like you had, you had whatever every woman wanted to have but honestly like one thing is you know that god our god is is is, is so big 
the God who holds the universe in his hand. Mm. Nothing is impossible for him. I had faith. I prayed. It took me one week fasting and praying to, to have the courage to break up with my ex-fiance because I loved him. And in two months, my, 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 my wedding is, is, is there, you know. But when I was praying and fasting and I prayed and I said, God, you are able to give me this person if he is the one for me. But if I chose him, he's not going to be able to give me you. And mm. after I found you, I will not, I will not lose you that, that quickly. Wow. So all what I want to advise them that have, honestly, we can say it, have faith, but you are the queen. We are the, we are the queen and God really wanted us to give us someone that he treats us like a queen. Mm. And we all know as, as girls how we used to be treated in the world, you know. And we don't want that. We want someone that really knows Jesus and knows how to treat me like the daughter of the queen. Mm. So I tell them, wait, because you have value and you're a princess and you deserve to have treat you like a princess. Wow, that's great advice. <laughs> well spoken. Now, why did you guys choose the ministry? You've got a job in the airline industry, and I'm sure that you, at that point, were working in entertainment some to some degree. Why? Tell me, tell me why you chose that path. You know, uh, when I first became a disciple, I found out that I have a heart for the needy. And the church started asking me to take care of the ministry of the needy and the charity. We had a local charity called Love and Faith. And I start working with that. And I found out that what pleases me is, is to make people, you know, uh, to provide for people, to make their life a better life. And growing as a disciple, I said, you know, I, I can do that even not only in physical needs. I can do that even more in spiritual needs. And I, I said, you know what? Uh, the joy I saw in return in people it, it, you know, it compelled me. I said, okay, this is what I want to do all my life. Mm. That was something that prepared me. I'm sure God definitely, the Holy Spirit prepared my heart. Yeah. And when the time came, uh, the church was really hurting. Uh, honestly, it started by, we were, only the, we, were, we, were, we were the only one there to do something about what's going on. Everybody either moved out or left the church. And, and, and God put us in a situation and the church that you have to stand up. And honestly, uh, we had no, I had no choice, but I found out later on that this is what I always wanted to do. How about you, Jesse? Yeah, when, uh, for me, you know, I was working and making a lot of money. I was working in advertising and I had, I was uh, in the peak of my life. But when I met Jesus and, you know, I was really, I saw myself like the sinful woman in the Bible where he really forgives me all my sins, even though I don't deserve it. And one, I remember the day I was baptized, I said, Jesus, I want to live for you. I'm ready to give up everything. Mm. Even though I got rebuked from different uh, <laughs> sister that he's not calling you now for the ministry, but I was living as if, for the ministry the day i got baptized like with my time i used to have a full-time job wake up early you know stay late as if honestly i felt i owe him my life mm. and 
and not like Mufid, I, 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 I didn't need friends, I didn't need a community, I had everything, but I needed only like Jesus. And I think that's what kept me faithful all those years because my main was Jesus, you know, I met him and I felt I want to live for him. And I was so grateful and, and thankful that Mufid has the same, this heart for God, because that's why honestly, one of the reasons I decided to marry him because he his heart was full for God and mm -hmm. he want to live for him. Right, right. So and we, yeah, I decided that because I owe him my life, mm -hmm. you know. So I want to use whatever he gave me for his glory. That's great. That's great. Now, can you tell me about the church in Lebanon? How, when did it start? How how did it grow? Um, what what's what's it like? For, for people listening from around the world, can you just give paint a picture of the church in Lebanon? Sure. You know, uh, the church was planted in 94, and uh, Lebanon is a, a very religious country. Maybe we're the only country with a Christian president in the Middle East world. Uh, we're a mix of uh, Christians, Muslims, and so many different religions, uh, Christian religions. So it's very... It's very challenging and fanatic to be able to, 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 to plant a church. So we planted the church in the beginning, which wasn't officially registered. And that's a big deal, because if you're not registered in a country like Lebanon or the Middle East, it will be challenging for you to grow as a church. So that's why first it grew as a, a group, a charity, and then little by little. So in 94, it was planted with a small group. And then it grew in 98 we had about 65 disciples, all of them singles, campus students, uh, a great, great fire up church. Uh, I became a disciple in 97. And then, uh, then coming 2003, we had some challenges which affected Lebanon like any other countries because we are so exposed to the world as Lebanese. Everybody speaks English, French, connected with social media. So in 2003, the church dropped down to 225 disciples. And this is where we were asked me and Jesse to, to lead. And my conviction was like, how can I officially register the church as a church and separate the church from the charity, like the charity alone, the church alone, and be, be able to be acceptable by the community. So I contacted many friends, some of them the evangelicals here, and we were able to connect uh, legally through the evangelicals uh, because the system here is different. You don't need to actually have exactly the same conviction, but there are some main points right. which we are united with them. And since then, we start working on growing the church. It took us took us about five years, me and Jesse, because uh, we was alone. We were alone. No, we are not trained to actually lead a church or plant a church or go a church. We've been reading books left and right, so many books all this time. <laughs> until, until 2008, we invited Douglas Jacobi for a huge event for the church. We were 25 uh, disciples and we start spreading the word in all uh, the city here. University. And, and we asked him to do a subject that hits the campus, which is that what, why, why does God exist? And Jesse went, and this is where Jesse actually were connected to the TV. Because when she was going there to advertise Douglas, they met her. And since then, they connected with her. Uh, so a when church you, of 25. Who, who, I'm sorry, who's, who's they? they? They met her? 
TV. Like you know, we were going to spread the event. So Jesse actually started contacting different TVs. Because I was working in advertising before and I know the impact of the advertising. So we said, why don't we advertise this event and tackle, because we wanted the student, the, the, the campus student. So I went on TV. To advertise Douglas. I see, yeah, okay. This, this is where the director noticed that she can speak fluently without really preparing. <laughs> And this is where it opened a door for her in the TV world. You know, it started wow. little by little. So it started but, as your your TV career, your hosting career, started advertising a church activity. Yes, because <laughs> I worked in advertising before, and I left my job. I left everything because it wasn't really clean atmosphere. So I gave up everything, and I just, you know, went and I changed the career and we went to the full time and you know but back then I remember before that I was sitting one day and watching uh, someone preaching on TV and I was so jealous I said My, I, I told Mufid look at them they don't have the conviction, but they know how to use the media because it's my field. So I know the, the power of the media. Right, right. In the media and I, I remember last, this day I prayed and I said God the fire is burning in my heart you know I want to use this gift for you and I forget about it till when I started yeah. to advertise this Douglas that event you know we went and we rented a hall of 1000 we're 25 <laughs> disciples they told me you're crazy I said you know we're gonna try and we collected money from all of us. Even some of them, they sell their jewelry. Yeah, yeah. We supported money. the event locally. Small church. And we, uh, 375 people came. That's amazing. And, you know, and we had so many follow-ups and studies. And this is where 2008 was actually, we could say, the start of the, of the church waking up in Beirut again. And, uh, and it started growing little by little. We started getting the training more, traveling more abroad to our churches to help us, uh, getting more young leaders to get trained. 2013 was a bit drop because we lost our chairman Maher by an accident who died. Right. He, he was my best friend. They were, they were our best friend. Uh, but we, we, we decided to stand up and continue in the Middle East together with a group helping the churches here. And, and it's, been going, it's been going since then uh it's been really challenging 2017 we had to move to egypt to help the church there and uh, since then we uh me jesse and uh, and other couples uh they we actually serve the region of the middle east me and jesse as chairman now and chairwoman okay but uh, it's been challenging and the church has been really growing but the, the huge growth actually the last two years specifically in lebanon Okay, so let's talk a little bit about, for those unfamiliar with the Middle East, what are some unique challenges that you face in spreading the gospel? Uh, what's, what's, you know, what, what do you find yeah. is challenging that, that people should know? First of all, that every country is completely different than the other. So when you say the Arab world is completely different. Some countries, there's, you cannot openly evangelize and, and, and preach and sing and meet. Some countries you can, but you have limitation. You can't share your faith with everybody. 
So every country is different. Lebanon is more open with democracy, and we have uh, the uh, we have about 35% of the country Christians. So it's open. It's not the 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 government is not against you sharing your faith. In some countries, it's against the law for you to share your faith even. Uh, what happened with you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. In Egypt, I was deported because of that. But in Lebanon, it's different. But the different challenge in Lebanon is 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 the religious world that we're in from a Christian side. Yes. All the the fanatic, like a Pharisees in the Old Testament uh, and the beginning ministry of Jesus. We have so many different uh, uh, Christian denominations that are so fanatic that they will persecute you for what you're bringing. So you're actually in Lebanon, we're more challenged from the Christian side than the Muslim side. In okay. other countries, it's the opposite. Okay. Uh, and it's, it's families and trust and, you know, the religious background, my family, and it's for them, it's a huge thing that you are actually changing our origin by becoming a disciple. And we're Catholic, we're Maronite, we're Orthodox, you know, these kind. these are major challenges. Beside all the instability of, war and civil war and, 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 and challenges in economies. That's, that's a huge. Okay, speaking about civil war, I, I remember growing up and I, I just remember all of the fighting. And I, I've heard that Beirut was called the Paris of the Mediterranean, of, of the Middle East, just a beautiful, beautiful city. And yet I remember growing up watching TV, street fighting, bombs. Was the civil war in 1975? Is that when the civil yes, war yeah. broke out. Um, yes. Jesse, you were there. Can you can you tell me just briefly what that was like? Honestly, today I was talking about that. I was three years, four years when the war started. So all my childhood was in shelters. Um, like the war uh, stole with me everything, stole from me everything. It stole my dreams, my uh, childhood, my... Uh, everything my life so it was a really really tough tough period of my life you know uh, and still i believe we still carry it uh, with us mm. till today because yes you feel like you've been healed but we're not because you know the the trust issue that mufid was talking this is part of the the war because of the war we don't trust anyone the abuse we got because I got a lot of abuse when I was a kid, you know, in shelters, no protection, not the basics need are met, like food, uh, uh, bad, like water, electricity, all this damage, damaged the, the person from inside. I was damaged, honestly. I was damaged from inside, psychologically, even mentally, physically. It was, it was a very hard uh, period of my life. Mm. That's why I'm grateful for Jesus, for yes. his healing. Yes. Because I would not be here today because of if he would, he didn't interfere in the right time. Right. You went to Egypt, okay, and you, you mentioned that you went to Egypt. Now, you've got, a, you've got your hands full in Beirut right there, but you decide to go to Egypt. Can you tell me why and what happened? Yeah, actually, uh, that was the, that was in 2017. Before that, for three years or four years before, we we start discipling the church in Egypt, and we would go there every four or five months for a week. 
trying to help, but we found out that just going there for a week was not actually helping enough. In 2017, we had the Arab conference in Egypt. Uh, we had all the churches in Egypt. And we, we decided to go one month prior to the conference to prepare for it and to actually stay there to help the church. In that one month, we found out that there's a lot to do and we, we want to stay. And you know, that was August, September, the school starts for our children and we had only two weeks to move. We had to decide. And I remember that day we were in the hotel in Cairo and my son came to me. He was actually 14 years old. And he said, dad, we don't have much time. Did you decide? I said, dad, we're still praying. And he looked at me and he goes, don't you see the need? Wow. I think, I think we need to stay. I start crying. <laughs> I said, dad, I think you just, I think you just, we just decided because God just used you to tell me. So we decided, we came, told the church here, the church was in shock because they are all young disciples. We have been with them all these years, training them, and they were in shock, telling them in two weeks, we're moving. Uh, many people blamed us. They cried. They were angry at us. But you know what? We had to go. And we said, guys, this is your chance to stand up and help. We moved in two weeks. It was challenging to find a place to rent, a school, paperwork, all these. It's not just moving. You're moving to another country. And it's not easy. You know, the, the style of life and the church and for our children and us to move from Lebanon to Egypt, that's, that's a huge sacrifice in so many different ways. But uh, we, we actually try to find an, an area which is a bit, a bit more like Lebanon. And we, we rented a house, just a neighbor of our best friends, a couple that, uh, that have been disciples and have left the church for the last four years, but they are still our best friends. And Maggid is one of the guys who was part of the planting in Cairo and he studied the Bible with me. So we said, we're gonna live just by, the, by, the, by their house, put our children in the same school as their children. And honestly, uh, uh, that was a blessing because it helped to have friends and we were able to restore them. Wow. And now they are, leading, they are leading the church, their younger, their daughter, older daughter, she's a disciple now. And, and uh, it was hard. I went through some medical problems, paper problems, and then I was deported after four months. But we were able to, to do a lot of changes in the church, a lot of training that actually helped the church now to be restored and growing little by little after losing a lot of people. Uh, then I had to leave and Jesse had to stay alone with the kids for six months because they are in school and they, they have to finish it. And me being here and Jesse in Egypt alone with the kids, that was really challenging. But I found out that God wanted me to come back because the church here uh, didn't manage well. They were hurting. So I had to come back. It's okay. totally God. Okay, so I think for many people, they, they, they feel fearful about moving their kids around. And, um, you know, as the kids get older, they worry about, oh, my gosh, it's going to affect them with their academics, going to college, with their spirituality. What was your experience? How did it affect your kids making that radical decision to move while they're in high school or when they're, they're older? Jesse, we'd love to talk about that. Yeah. Honestly, like it was really uh, a hard decision to take because 
when we start feeling the need, I want to share this because it really helps me personally. I was reading the Bible and praying, like, God, who do you want to send to Egypt? You know, like, I'm praying, God, send us someone to send to Egypt because we see the need. We, You know, there is a need, and I'm praying. And, you know, sometimes when you hear this voice that you go, no, definitely not. I'm Lebanese. <laughs> my kids here are the two teens so i cannot leave and go but i still remember i was reading when when jesus talked to his disciples and he told them go and ask for a donkey and if they asked you what do you want and tell them jesus needed it right so when i heard the the this word i needed it so i'm like this is the first time i hear that jesus needed something and then I realized that that God really wanted us to go. Mm. And, you know, even if I am a donkey, he can do miracle through me. Oh. Because I was giving many excuses not to go. <laughs> and for my kids, my son, you know, was a little bit started being rebellious. And I was and afraid worldly. and worldly that there, there's no teens ministry, you know, no it's friends. not a healthy church. And all my friends, even disciples, honestly, they didn't really advise us to go because, you know, I will lose my kids as a mom. I'm talking, you know, right. But then what, you know, when like, again, um, put Jesse, you need to love me more than your kids and I will take care of your kids. The same thing. What helps me before when I give up my ex fiance, the same thing. Now Jesus was asking me. Like, are you willing to give up your kids for me? And I will take care of them. And honestly, it was harder on me to take this decision as a mom. But going there and seeing how God changed the heart of my kids. Mm. They felt as if they are on a mission team. Mm. Uh, even a school, it was a, it was a Muslim school, but they start reaching out to their friends. We did a teens Bible talk in our house. They invited people and we started the teens ministry and they were part of it. And how really like they matured in a way unbelievable. Like they felt responsible for the church. Both of them, they felt responsible on a mission. They loved God. They had a purpose. And, you know, God had his own way where it's different than our way. Yes. Wow. So, yeah, it was a, another leap of faith. Because we're doing this honestly for God, because He needed us to go there. We believe God restored their hearts in that trip. Yeah, they came back. Even the church in Lebanon didn't believe what happened to them. And even the church in Egypt, and everybody said, "Your kids are the only kids with the whole Middle East. They love Egypt, <laughs> you know, like <laughs> because no one wants to." Be, my kids, like they fell in love with Egypt, and I believe this is the Holy Spirit. <laughs> it's not people, you know, like it's the Holy Spirit where change their hearts yes that's amazing that's fantastic now you mentioned that you had medical issues mufid when you were in egypt can you tell me about that yeah, yeah actually after two months of me being there uh and doing a training for the church one day i actually had a, a high uh, a high level of pressure which actually put me in a kind of a stroke that i was I was uh, moved immediately to the emergency, uh, and uh, it it took some it took like a month and even more, and they couldn't figure out what's going on. I had complete headache every day, like headache that nothing can stop it. Uh, 
you know, maybe medication for a couple of hours. Uh, I've never in my life missed a church and I would miss church because of that. Mm. You know, I couldn't just, and then I, I said, you know, I'm not going to go to Lebanon for medication. I'm going to stay here, find a way how to heal myself because the church need me. And if you leave, maybe you will. Yeah. And my, paper. and my, maybe if I leave, I wouldn't get any entry back. And I pushed myself from December. It was December from the beginning of December. I pushed myself until February, uh, February 14, I think, when they actually called me and deported me. <laughs> but before that, before that, I still remember we were both praying and fasting because it wasn't an easy decision. And I believe uh, one night I dreamt that Mufid died and I woke up at three in the morning, like I'm screaming about him. And I, I saw him like he was sitting there beside me. And he said, Jesse, I'm feeling I'm dying, but I didn't want to wake you up. And we run to the hospital that day. And after that, uh, they asked him to leave because we will not, we will never take this decision because we were afraid that he's not going to come back. But God was so merciful. He cared about him and his health. So he sent him by force to Lebanon. He deported him. He deported me. him. Oh. So he can take the treatment that he needed here. I always wanted to feel Paul in jail. Like, I, I, Paul is my, you know, he's my hero. And they actually had me 24 hours in jail in the airport. You know, ISIS people. and, and, and I, I enjoyed it because the reason of me being in jail is Jesus. And I love that, you know, I just, the guy was like, why are you so happy? <laughs> I was always laughing that's because I, I said, you will not understand. Yeah. Wow. That's <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I came back to Lebanon, had a, a heart. Uh, I don't know what they call it. Like they look through the tubes of the heart and, and I needed medication and um, thank God it went through I'm in medication much better now. Uh, and it saved my life. Definitely. And it saved also the church. Wow. Jesse, you've hosted this TV and radio show for more than 10 years, and I, I assume you're still doing it. Okay. Yes. And now you're offering marriage counseling. Is that right? Can you share what kind of a show it is? Before, when I started, it was like a spiritual show. And I had the chance to really study all our studies on, on TV with people, with millions of people, because I felt God gave me this opportunity. So I need to get you to use it, you know, for the maximum, like maybe you will never have it again. So I did the studies and I used to interview the disciples and, the, you know, many leaders from our church to talk about different topics. And later on, I had like counseling show where usually I, I prepare couple, I counsel them on air. And, you know, mainly I'm the only one in the Arab world where they host me for mainly. Many all, secular TVs. Yeah, mainly secular TVs, all the secular TVs, they host me as a marriage counselor. And God has been, you know, using this in an amazing way. I had like four different shows, you know, Dear Jesse, it's like opera. And then before I had uh, mail and email, then radio show, different radio shows. But I always, even though I had my program in a secular radio, I would like to share this uh, as a counseling. 
but um, when Easter what was Easter there, I said, I need to be wise and ask the owner. And I said, listen, it's Easter. Why don't we do like 40 days? I needed to use anything just to, you know, Convinced. share about my, my faith and the faith of the church. Why don't we do the 40 days like devotional or something spiritually said no 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 because this is a radio for famous people singer and all this so they he doesn't care about that and i went home and i prayed and then the second day i went and i said listen do you want a scoop like do you want to hear a story of people they were like abused and then they were drug addicted and they got healed and he was really i said yes i can you know do it and he said go for it and I used 40 days every day with the disciple, they share their story. And I will be reading a small devotional from the Bible. For example, if we're talking about adultery. So I will share, I will let a sister share about her life. And I called the show, He Changed My Life. And wow. we did a teasing campaign. Everybody was waiting. What, who, what is changing my life? And in the end, it was Jesus changing my life for 40 days, every day in the morning. All the disciples shared their testimony. So God, I believe God was always leading me, you know, how to make him known even for the secular world because they need him. They need him more than us, you know, because they they need to, to hear the truth. Even now with her show, most of the time she used couples, disciples. Last night she had a couple that didn't have children for nine years. And many couples are facing this here and they shared their testimony as yeah. so powerful. Every other week she have a couple from the church sharing the testimony. Yeah. yeah. What helps is her show is around just spirituality and family. Mm. So it keeps us connected and it opens a lot of doors. Even if I don't speak like with the secular TV about God, everybody knows I, I teach the principle of God right. about forgiveness love compassion humility so everybody knows that and they see something different and i believe they see jesus the teaching of jesus you know not what's so different. what's so powerful there is what's powerful there is that you you're, you're doing it for god but at the same time you have to maintain the popularity of the show if the ratings aren't good you're going to get cut so you must feel some pressure to to make it relevant and interesting how how do you do that I want to share with you something like it's I the moment, you know, uh, they called me for the casting for to have my own show. And I know the temptation of being famous and, you know, the pressure of, like you said, of having the audience and all this. And honestly, I prayed and I said, God, you know what? I will never ask for something if you don't send it to me. So people, they need to call me and ask me to be in their show. Or I will not take any show. Me, like, going after it. And honestly, since now 11 years, and it will never happen. And, you know, with the, when you work in the media, they called me every time and they asked me to present the show. I, I never, I never, like, uh, seek it, seek it mm -hmm. at all. Because I, I had an agreement with God. I, you need to send it to me so I will make sure that this is what you want me because I don't want to be tempted with the you popularity. know, popularity and being famous and the competition and being up to the same standard or some, I'm 50 now, almost 50, you know, all young people. So again, it's not about me. I needed to know it's about you. 
And when I decided that, honestly, he's giving me the idea, the audience, the rate, everything. It was, I'm telling you, it was, it's not me. Even the secular TV, every time I'm there, the level, the audience is high. So that's why they call me, you know, because they want their show to work out. But I believe it's totally God. And what people are hearing is different, you know, because they are hearing the word of God without even me mentioning, you know. Right. And they can sense, I believe, the, the honesty. They can sense um, I share about our life openly, you know. Uh, so I always tell her you are prepared because you're sharing your heart, yeah. your life. You, you don't need to just... They can ask you any question, and it's always there on your on your heart. I wish if I can take the credit, but I can't take the credit. Honestly, <laughs> this is totally God, you know, you know. But yes, I am faithful with whatever He's giving me. I prepare well, you yeah, know. I'm a right. good student. Right. I give my best to God. I'm not. I don't go like this, not prepared. No, because I believe it's a gift from God, and I want to use it to the maximum. That's fantastic. So maybe that's what I do. Honestly, I prepare well. How do you? How how did how does your celebrity affect your outreach? Is that a positive? Is it a negative? I'm sure that when you walk on the streets, people point at you and and you you realize, okay, I'm I'm a person who's known. How is that affecting your outreach? Here in Lebanon, not like I am that celebrity, honestly. Yes, some the people they know me, but um, I don't feel the pressure of you know that. And I think it was good in a way because I, they trust me. So now they are trusting the gospel. So I am someone where, you know, people they trust now, even with a different background. I don't just help Christian. I help people with a different background and they know my belief and still they want me. They want me to help them with their marriage because I have value. Mm. So it, it helps in, in, in an amazing way this way. And another way, uh like i told you it is a trap where i need to always protect my heart you know and my motives you know do i have the right motive now do i want the glory for me do i want this so it's always i'm evaluating myself but honestly this vow between me and god protects me a lot and always i take one show at a time because in the end, I'm a full-timer and I need this window to share the gospel. It's not my career. So sometimes different TV, they wanted me in different shows, different radio. We make a deal that only one show at a time and just because I wanted this window to reach out to people. So all those decisions really helps me to keep my heart pure and on track, not to go. And, uh, Especially she is known yeah. as a Christian counselor. Right. Yeah. They know she is on social media talking about God and preaching, and she's doing this. So people can easily track it. You yeah. know, she's not hiding. Right. So that's what she believed, but that's her experience, that's her expertise in marriage. So people respect that. Even, yeah. even from a different background as Christian, they respect her faith and, and they trust that. Wow. So the church, the church there has been there since 1994. So it's about 26, 27 years. It's definitely an older church. And yet you've been experiencing increasing growth. You, you, the church decreased in size down to about 25 and, and plateaued there for a long time. But now it's growing and growing quicker than ever. Can you tell me 
what you've done, what's happened, and and um, how how you've created that kind of growth. You know, the experience of Egypt, uh, I felt that I can easily die immediately. You know, just like we Life lost we lost a lot of friends, and I said to Jesse. Uh, after that, God gave me back my life. I want to dream big. And, you know, the growth in the Middle East, I know it's a challenging region uh, in different countries, but you know what? Uh, we can try, we can keep trying different ways. Uh, the church has been slowly growing, studying with people. Yeah. We're the only one, me and Jesse, that are full-time and can do the studies. All the church is young. So we prayed about that. We talked about that. And then God gave us, an idea where let's use a different method of reaching out, uh, which is, we call it the net method. <laughs> and we, we called it, we did a class of first principles. We called it Deep Roots. It's an official class. Like, you know, we were doing Bible talks, people come, get to know them. Uh, you know, it takes some time to reach out to them. And I, we felt it's, it's so much waste of our time. But when people decide to come to a class, it's a biblical class, then they are serious. You know, you just, they go for it. So, okay, so we told the disciples, we're gonna do a class to train you how to study the Bible. But in the same time, we want you to bring your friends so they can study the Bible while you are getting trained. And during that week, we will train you how to mentor these people. So you follow up on them because we cannot do it alone. So we created a team of disciples. We explained to them what to do. And then we start doing this. The first class we did, it was women alone and men alone. And we said, let's try it. And uh, we were shocked because we had like 90% uh, uh, baptisms out of these two classes. So we did the class in 2019. We did it twice, uh, two women and two men. We had 15 baptisms. We have never witnessed this growth in the Lebanon church or the Middle East for many years. The growth will be two, three, four, five, maximum nine, and, 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 and we would lose the, some other people. But this time, not only we witnessed growth, we witnessed growth. These disciples came into church already connected because they are part of a class. There is no waste of time. Eight weeks, 10 weeks, they are serious studying, and, and it moves so fast because it's just Bible classes. Uh, and, and, and the disciples have been trained so fast now they are actually more involved. So we said, wow, this is huge. And we didn't actually lose anybody that year. So in 2020, we said, we're going to do this three times. So we did it three times. We had 21 baptisms, which the first year, 25% growth. The second year, 28% growth. So we said this year, now we have many young people who are trained to do the classes. Let's do classes for every ministry. So now we are in February, we have eight classes from age 13 to age 75. Yeah. And you know, we just had one baptism two weeks ago. She's a single. We already have through virtual and Zoom because before when we started these classes, they were live. Then we moved them to Zoom. So now we didn't know that we could reach all Lebanon. So now we have studies in all Lebanon. We might be planting this year three cit two cities in Lebanon, which we never believed that we will be able to do. Now, actually, as of today, we have about 230 studies for a church of 100 disciples. 
Did you say 230 studies? Yes. With 100 disciples? Yes. That's amazing. <laughs> wow. And all the members are involved. Even the old people. Like the, the whole church the is whole there. Church, like, like for the teens, we have the leader of the teens with all the disciples teens in this class. You know, like my the class of my daughter, the girls, they had 50 teens. Teen Studying. studying to this class just the teens you know it's, it's god is and they are fired up because they feel all part of that it's a know? teamwork it's a teamwork where you know everybody is working on something and it's it's been uh, amazing now, yeah now we prepare two other classes which is you know when you say go baptize them yes. and teach them so now we have another class. It's called Solid Ground. We did it last year. And yeah. We will start doing it, me and Jesse, for those who get baptized because we want them to stay faithful. So Solid Ground and then discover your talent and then use your talent. It's four classes. We did this in Egypt in a very fast time. So the training we did in Egypt was very helpful to use now in Lebanon. And, and we're working on this because we don't want to baptize a lot of people and then lose, lose them or lose another people. So we've been training the church uh, actually to be able to do that and to follow up well, where everybody is actually engaged and working through that. I just finished a class two days ago with the older men, married men. I had eight in my class and the eight want to get baptized. So this week, I just got with one of them today, this week, it's 100%. So this week, so I started yesterday another class I had nine attendants and 20 on, on hold for next week. So it's like, what's going on? Honestly, we are actually, we're trying to like grow the younger people faster so they can start helping us in this growth because we have never witnessed that. Egypt tried this class last year in, for the teens ministry and they had six baptisms. They have never had baptisms yeah. for the last you know, couple of years. And it's like, okay, you know what? This can work. And, and uh and it's it's been great. And we're doing everything on Zoom. Yeah. Like starting last year. Everything is virtual. Everything, yeah. Like it's Zoom, even the church was, on Sunday. But what, you know what we learned? What we learned, I was we were sharing, like what we learned that when we study the Bible one on one, it was amazing. But it was really for me, I relied on my expertise, I relied on my charisma, on me loving the person, you know. Uh, uh, hosting them in our house which is amazing but when we start studying the bible on zoom uh, like uh, as a class it was more than a group and god is working but when we start studying the bible on zoom it was totally the holy spirit yes because i was studying with people and i thought it was a one girl i had a class for women and when we finished studying with every everyone and I asked who wants to be baptized and they opened the camera and it was three girls sitting and the three of them, they got baptized the same day. So I was shocked. Like now when I shared my, I don't like, like God, you know, even I don't know their faces, but they, and now they want, they are one of the, you know, strong, fast, they are strong, actually will be planting a new city in Biblos. And they are part of that. Imagine you, know? you baptize somebody you have never met just through Zoom. And they are all campus. Because they trust the word of God. Yeah, we have campus. We have teens like like never before, you know. Like it's, I don't know what what's going on, but 
they are fired up, you know, for God. Yeah, even this virtual effect, Rob, uh, I, I just remembered, I want to share this with you. We always had a dream since the beginning of the churches in the Middle East to plant Arabic-speaking churches around yeah. the world. Because statistically, 80% of the Arab that moves outside the Middle East, we lose them as disciples because they don't have the connection. We tried that so many ways, it didn't work. So this year we said, if all the churches is online, why don't we do it online? And six months ago, we started this Arab American church in the US in Boston. And now we have about 50 disciples connected all over the States and they have their own studies, about 10 studies. Two weeks ago, we started Europe and, and, and three weeks ago, we started the Gulf. And now we have connecting all the disciples in this, in this different uh, uh, area of the world, Europe, the Gulf, and uh, USA, and soon we will be starting Australia. And here you are, you have Zoom virtual Arabic speaking church connecting the disciples and giving them a dream that one day they can plant their own churches outside of the Middle East. And now in March 5, it's the first time we decide to do a woman, you know, woman, Women's uh, Day. Women's Day for the whole Middle East. On Zoom. On Zoom. So we did a small advertising and we advertised it on TV. And, you know, we're so grateful that God is opening this opportunity for us. So yes. we're going to have our Women's Day for the whole Middle East, 5 March, you know, on Zoom. <laughs> Some, sometimes we say thank you, COVID-19, for opening yeah. our eyes that we can reach all Lebanon and yes. all the Arabs around the world just through Zoom. It's amazing. Wow. Okay, so that's so inspiring. Tell me what you're teaching. Are you teaching the first principles? What is the deeper roots? Like, tell me... What does the class look like? Is it, is it something special? Like how, how, how are you teaching it? Because that kind of impact is, is unique. Tell us what, what's happening in those classes. For me, with the woman, I try to use in the first two, three session, like, like a different way of approach because, you know, you're, you're dealing with a secular woman and, and girls, you know, so I try to, uh, share with them their yeah. they are they are queen and you know their value. I use a little bit of psychology, plus you know the relationship. So the first three four studies I mix between their dream, the psychology, and their calling. And when they really like it and love it and feel they have now, you know, a little bit of uh, connection. Connection. I start the studies, the same study, the first, where, the first principle, you know, but giving them any class, it's different because everybody is involved and everybody is talking and it's more like uh, a teamwork, but definitely I will be teaching the, the study like we do, honestly, but the first three, four, I do it differently for the woman because they needed that. With men, with men, I immediately start the first principles. They are there for students. They want to know a theology. So I yeah. go with the first principles. In the middle, when there is the sin and the confection, I separate. I, from the beginning, I put every study with a mentor. Yeah. So they know they are followed up. And the mentor is a disciple. So they are followed up during the week. And when, this, when the confession study comes, everyone take it separately. We don't do it in a group. Okay. And, 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 and this helps them to, to have friends 
and, and we do just the first principles all the way, eight studies, 10 studies, and it just it just blows them away. It blows them, especially when they start talking. Like, and I have in a class, like last class, I had a Muslim, I had a, a Catholic, I had an Orthodox, I had an Evangelical, I had all these backgrounds, and they are arguing, you know, it's like, okay, fine. And in the end of the day, it's the Bible authority. And you know, Rob, we didn't stop the one-on-one -on -one studies. We still have some cases, they don't like a class, we do them one-on-one, -on -one. Yes. we don't mind, you know? We can do that, but that's not the majority. When you're teaching the class, who are you talking to? Are you talking to the disciple and teaching them how to teach? Or are you teaching to their friend about the, the first principles? Who are you directing your comments to? Actually, when, when I start in the beginning of the class, everybody will introduce himself and the disciple will say that actually we did that class before and now we're here to get trained and to help mentor the new students. So from the beginning, everybody know the identity of each. So this way, the class will be directed to the new students. Okay. For me, I used to do it. I will be doing the class, record it, and then uh, uh, sit with the disciples and ask them what did they learn, how they can do it better. And every class, I used to like uh, call one of them to do it with me. Like if I do the word study, I will be called a young disciple to come and share two, three verses. Or I will be telling them like every time I want to ask, what did you understand? I want you to answer, you know, whoever read this, the verse, he will answer. So everybody was reading this way. I was teaching them, you know, and even if they answer something wrong, I will, will be saying great, but can we do it? What do you think about that? So direction know? for the disciples so or non-disciples? It was for both. Yeah. It was for both because I already talked to them. You know, the first two classes I did them. I did them like that. Okay. Now, how did you get your disciples to buy into this idea? First principles is not a new idea. Having classes is not a new idea. What? made this different this is just taken off like wildfire and it's so powerful what how did you persuade the disciples what what did you do differently that people go oh this is this is cool personally i believe it's the teamwork i have noticed that when you involve people in any plan in any decisions uh, they will just be so fired up to do it in the beginning it was hard for them to see that it's gonna work. We got some criticism. Some people said it's not personal, it should be one-on-one. -on -one. And we didn't really hear all these voices. We said, we're just gonna try. If it's not gonna work, we're gonna stop it. It's not a big deal, you know, so let's try it. So when we did the first three, two months of, of class, some of the disciples commit, some didn't, but, but the majority did. And, and we said, we're training you, you know, that was inspiring that they are getting trained one, Two, they are working as a team because everybody wants to benefit. And then when they saw the reaction of the non-disciples in the class and the conviction and the word of God working in them and how they would be sharing, actually it affected them so much. And when, and when we did this baptism study and I finished it and, and I had like five men standing up and goes, I want to get baptized now. And the disciples like, what's going on? You know, <laughs> like I can imagine in, in, in Acts 2, like uh, 3,000 raised their hands, you know? So, so even I had the first class, I had one guy 
who's 65 years old, who's been evangelical all his life. He was there because he knows a lot. I, he was there just to kind of to teach. to teach us, you know, but I didn't give him much chance because I said, that's a class you have to listen. So he was always listening. And, and, then, and then all through when the baptism study was done, he stood up, he said, baptize me now. I said, are you not baptized? He said, no. And for the disciples, that was a shock. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. Now, for those listening, I'm sure there are some who are really excited, just like me, to hear this. This is this is really exciting. And and I think the thing I've been praying about is for God to open doors during COVID to create new paths to spread the gospel. There has to be a benefit for the crisis that our world is facing. And just talking to you, I go, okay, here it is right here. Here's, here's one way God is spreading the gospel to different mission, different mission areas. You're reaching different countries and reaching people faster in a, in a broader way. What could people do if they heard this and they said, I want to do that? Where would they start? Give, give us a one, two, three. Here's what you need to do. For, for, for example, the first thing they need to do is they need to, ins to inspire at least two, three, four people with them. Like we can start small, like not everybody will buy it the first time because people, they follow what they see successful. They don't like to start, but I'm sure there is a lot of disciples that they want to, they, they have the zeal to start something. So if I have a dream like this, I need to see people where they can share this dream with me and it's becoming our dream. So if they can have two, three, four people to share the dream with them and they want to commit for that, it will be great. This is the first step. The second, what we did honestly, is we believe God wants to save people, but we needed to be ready. So we fasted, we prayed together, and prayer change. Prayer, yeah, and we started putting names like, <coughs> who do you think we can invite? And uh, this is what we did, like small people, not all of them. Like the first class, we didn't have many disciples. Yeah, we did prayer chains prayer with the chains. names. And then when we found out that, you know, <coughs> we need to set a date where we can announce that. So we did a nice flyer. You know, the presentation is very important. Nice flyer a class time, uh, we did a logo for Deep Roots, and, and then we did it in a class, in, a, in, a, in an office class, not in the church, uh, and, and uh, you know, with, with the notebooks, and, and just, just like a class and a screen. Uh, and so, like, like Jesse said, is, is a small team who believe in it and, and start praying for it. And we're still doing prayer chains. Two weeks ago, we did one week prayer chain for the whole church, 24-7. And now every week we have one day, uh, 24 hours prayer chain. Just we keep praying for these classes because we believe the unity of the prayer in the church have made all these miracles. Yeah, and, and then when, uh, when, we, when the disciples start attending the class and they start sharing with the disciples who didn't attend the impact, and how like they are they are learning even though it was the first principle but we did them in a in a creative way where they feel every time like they are learning something new you know something different in this time 
So they got inspired and they've been sharing. Like the first time we did a class, we used to have three, four disciples with us. And after maybe two, three weeks, I have all the women attending the class. And even it was optional. It wasn't like part of the meeting. It was optional. Whoever wants to come. It's an optional meeting. So I found out that all the women, even the older women, they they were coming walking, you know, just to attend this class. And this is, I believe, when God wants to open a door, no one can close it. You yeah, know, that's one of the key that. success in this class is the follow-up. You need, as a leader, to have a different time with the disciples to train them how to follow up because they don't know. Because if the follow-up is not there, from a class to a class, people in one week will forget especially these new people. So they need this disciple to be their friend and follow up with them. It's not like they're disciple or mentor. I would tell them, you are friends. You help each other during this week to read and pray. This is a key for the success of, 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 that, uh, of that training. And then halfway during the class, I would challenge the students and the disciples to do it twice a week so we can go faster. And 90% would say yes. And that's what we've been now doing. Now with the lockdown. Yeah, because now we have 40 days of total lockdown. People are home. So we said, why don't we do it twice a week? Why wait another week? So it's faster. So you're doing, been... you're doing the class twice a week, not just once a week during the lockdown. Yes. Yeah, because people are home. They don't have much things to do, you know? So why not? We, we don't start like this. We start once a week because people don't want to be overwhelmed. When they like it, the, sur- the second, third study, I said, guys, you want to do it faster? They all say, yes, let's do it. Okay, let's do it twice, twice a week. And that's what we've been doing. Yeah. Wow. Okay, that is, that is just phenomenal. If someone were listening and they wanted to get more information, would it be okay for them to reach out to you and, and talk to you? Would you be willing to share, with, share more in detail? Because this is really groundbreaking. And I think people need to know this around the world. I mean, I'm inspired. I go, okay, I want to do something like that right here. That's awesome. Um, Amen. How, how, would, how would they reach you? Uh, through the, our email or our phone number. Okay. Can easily. Even, even on Disciples Today, the, our emails are there. Our phones are there. They can reach us there. Too. Okay. Uh, and I'll put the information on the, in the podcast introduction, the information there. So that, that's great. Anything else you want to say about that, that that people should know about the Deeper Roots program? Because sometimes we have people come late. Like, for example, I've been starting the class this week and I have people coming next week. So what should we do? Do we repeat? No. We have the session recorded and they they can attend in one condition. They need to hear the voice, sit with someone who invite them and, you know, uh, do it before attending the second week. Yes. So sometimes I had a girl, she was baptized and now she's helping reading. She heard like four lessons audio. audio in less than two days for her to attend the class. the class. And she made it, she was baptized. And, you know, like this way, when we record it and give it to them, it shows how much they are sincere. And if you, if they really want to, you know, see God and learn about God more. So yes. it was this condition 
now I cannot stop. Like even if they come in, in the second or the third week, they can still join the class. So we have more people coming, but they are listening it's, before the audience. It's like last, yesterday I started a class. I had nine men came, but I sent the, the invitation to a hundred. So, and then I sent the, in, I, then I sent, and then, so we started the class and I sent a message. I said, guys, we're on. So only nine attended. And then after my class, I get messages from about 25. They are apologizing because they couldn't attend. They said, please send us the recording. We want to hear it. We want to attend the next class. So, so you know, it, it just involves people in a way that, you know, that it's totally, definitely the situation of COVID have softened the hearts of people to be able to, to, to want to know more about God. And, and we're giving them all these open doors to, to use that, you know, and the class. And now even we're thinking now to do a certificate in the end of the class with deep roots. You know, people like that. You know, I attended this class. <laughs> well, honestly, we're giving them a baptismal certificate later on. But, but that's the most, but people like that. That's fantastic. So just to go through it one more time. So the, the first thing that you shared, let me just review this, is to start small and sell the dream, really share the dream with a few people. You started this class with just a few people in the class, right? So it started small and it's optional. Get a prayer and fasting chain going and just ask who can we pray for, who could join this class? Get a nice flyer, make notebooks, get a nice location that's neutral, not not churchy. Use a screen. And then and, and it's clear, it's clear the title of our course, it's called the plan of salvation. Deep roots, the course is plan of salvation. We are very clear from the beginning that they are, it's it's not information, it's transformation. We tell them from the beginning. We said to them, that's not a theology class. You're not here to learn theology. You can do that anywhere else. You're here to be transformed. Yeah. From the beginning, we tell them that. And we used, uh, we used a lot of social media, you know, like the brochure, like we put it on Facebook, on Instagram, What's... on WhatsApp. Yes. And then we did like a small clip, like uh, I will be talking two, three weeks word that are you interested for example waiting for you like small clip like one minute two minutes and even when the class started my daughter used to uh, put me live on insta and, and facebook for two three minutes where people like they want to know what's going on you know so oh, we used all this stuff where people get to know what we're doing more and more that's fantastic that's fantastic now let me go ahead and just shift shift gears on August 4th of 2020, a huge amount of ammonium nitrate exploded near the port of Beirut. There were 204 people or more who died, 7,500 injuries, 15 billion U.S. dollars in damage to the city, and 300,000 people homeless. Mufid, where were you when the, the bomb, the explosion hit? Uh we were actually all of us home. We are five minutes away from the explosion area. We can definitely see it from our balcony. Uh, I was here recording a lesson and then on my laptop. Uh, and in that time, I had all my windows closed because of the lesson. And then I open it. And in that minute, 
the explosion came. It shook the whole building. We could have all had all the glass broken. Actually, many glass around our area, even in our building, were broken, except our house. Uh, God just protected us. But honestly, in that second, I felt like, you know, with, with the shake and the noise that honestly, I felt it's the end of the world. Like you feel like you feel nothing. You feel you're, you're just, you're just gone. And it was terrifying for us. We had to run all the way down because in the beginning, we didn't know it was an explosion. We thought it was actually planes or, or rockets or so we wanted to hide. And then uh, a huge, a huge, uh, uh, what do you call it? Uh, the sky became red, completely red, from the Freeport all over our building. It came exactly, uh, I took a picture of it, and then we went up to the roof, and it started, all these burning nitrates start falling on, our, on us, and we had to run, run back home. Uh, it was really, it was a huge shock for, for us, for my wife. Uh, yeah. What was your experience, Jesse? What, what was going through your mind? Honestly, I was sitting with the disciple having our time. And when this happened, like Mufid said, I felt this is the end of the world, you know. And honestly, I wasn't prepared for that. I was depressed for two weeks, seeing my people, seeing the, the blood, seeing all the disciples. Like even we had a brother and a sister, all the disciples, some of them got injured. Some of them, you know, we, were, uh, we didn't find them. And we, Mufid went on the street with the disciples just to try to find them. All this scenario, all this what, what happened, like really, yeah. I couldn't take it on emotional level. So I was depressed. I had a severe depression for almost two weeks, crying. I didn't even want to talk to people when they ask about us. Because I believe what happened in Beirut killed everything, like killed not only the war killed my dreams, killed my plans, killed my childhood, but what happened, I felt it killed the future of my kids. And I couldn't take it. Like what, you know, it was so hard seeing the people. And honestly, I believe all what happened and what's going on now in Lebanon. I don't know. I had a strong feeling that, I don't know. It's as if God is preparing his people. Because we've been through a lot, not the COVID-19, the explosion, the yeah. economic situation, uh, starvation, people are losing their jobs, like no electricity, uh, garbage, uh, pollution. Like, like I always, I was proud always of Lebanon. Like you said, we, we say Lebanon is the Paris, you know. Mm -hmm. Or Switzerland, uh, east but of the east. now Lebanon is is you know the, the worst even between the whole world the worst country with everything with the corruption with the pollution and it is not honestly something nice to live and make your kids live in something like that but like i was sharing today i had a message like esther i believe god put us there in lebanon for a time like this you know yeah. and i prayed and I believe because of the prayer of all the saints all around the world and all the support, the prayer, the fasting, because of them, we could stand up and be courageous, you know, yes. and God transformed our fear 
to cottage. Yeah. And the second day, the second day, all the disciples went on the street. The second day, right. helping, uh, yes. praying. You know, we forget ourselves, we forget our need. And I believe it was a huge part of healing, hmm. the inner healing, because of the explosion. I believe we needed years of counseling and psychology therapy so people can overcome it. But because the disciples, they like they are not focusing on their need, they are focusing on loving people and helping people. Mm. It helps a lot. All of them with all their friends, though, that are studying with us in these classes, they all wear hope, T-shirts, went on the streets. It's our mission to, to show Jesus love. That actually protected the disciples, protected the church. It was really hard, you know, when you can't dream for tomorrow. This is hard. You, 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 every year we want to rebuild the church, something happened. Every year we want to plan for our life, something. You can't hear a country, you live day by day. But honestly, the warmth, the support, the love of the church around the world and yes. hope worldwide, the disciples felt we are not alone. Yes. We are not alone. We are a big family around the world. That made big difference. Many churches actually had a Zoom meeting with us just to lift our souls, to pray oh. with us from the state and from different other churches. That actually was so helpful for the disciples to know that they are not alone. You know, this is, this is, this is amazing. And we never, like when we, we started this, let's rebuild with hope. You know, we never, like we, last year, it was the, the year where we hope again was. Uh, yeah, yeah. We, hope was on hold in Lebanon, we registered HOPE in 94. It was on hold from 98 to 2019. I kept, uh, uh, because there was some, some issues here and it, it wasn't reactivated. I kept renewing the registration of HOPE all these years for 15 years. And I kept always believing one day we're gonna reactivate it until I got the connection. In the beginning of 2019, HOPE Worldwide was was activated in Lebanon and then we got this so we were all over you know and 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 now hope in one year it's one of the one of the strongest NGO in Lebanon NGOs uh, very well connected supported we rebuilt 50 houses with their windows glasses doors we've been giving like 500 families. food food parcels for families and we're still doing now with the covid we're getting covid relief support we're giving away and and god has really been a blessing in so many different ways and people have been trusting the work of hope uh, through through just the faith of these disciples out there wow. and honestly the verse that all things work good for those who love god when 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 i used to hear it from someone i'm like how god you're gonna you know you know use the explosion for our own good now and honestly, seeing what happened in the church, the growth, the people who studying the Bible, seeing hope in one year with the fun that we got all around the world and what we are, like how God accomplished this year. Now I believe that God, it's worth it. You know, wow. if the cost of what happened, what we are seeing now, honestly, it's worth it. Yeah, you know, hmm. if seeing what we've been seeing today. Right. You know, we have learned all these years, Rob, that comfort is very dangerous for our faith. Yes. You know, uh, these struggles keep us always depending on God. Now I can relate to the 
century church, when, when they had comfort, they didn't do well. When they were persecuted, they spread all over the world. Yeah. Do you think that it, it, the, the trouble that you've been seeing and uh, has affected, that it helped people want to study the Bible just by seeing their own mortality and realizing, hey, I could, I could be gone tomorrow. Do you, yes. do you feel like that big, that sobered people or yeah. was there any impact? Big, big time, big time. Yeah, these people have different, in Lebanon, honestly, the heart of the people are turning back to God. But in other country where they have war and they have the COVID, their hearts are hardened, you know, mm. like in Jordan, for example, and different countries. So I don't know, you see like the, the, the people react differently to different situations. But we are lucky. I don't know. God is working here. Yeah, there, there are, you know, there are some people leaving. There are some people getting hard-hearted. But there are a huge number. Like these studies we have, 80% of them are young people yep. reaching out to God. We never had this before. You know, so they are realizing, especially when you go through social media in Lebanon now, uh, it's full of death announcements because now Lebanon have been hit big time you know the country have lost many hospitals because of the explosion and corruption is all over so COVID-19 wasn't really controlled very well now we have been in total lockdown for the last 40 days we have a rate of 100 deaths every day 4,000 to 5,000 corona uh, uh, get and infected and, and we're we're four we're four five millions we're four million and one and, and two million refugees for this country, this is huge. So people are losing friends and relatives around them every week. You know, uh, people are really in fear because, you know, they are realizing that life is so short. Wow. Any, thank you so much. Any advice for those who are listening? And I know that I'm inspired. I know whoever's listening to this is, is going to be inspired as well. But any final advice for those who want to make this life count and live a no regrets life? It's clear that's what you're doing. It's it's very inspiring about your life and your example. What what would you advise a person? You know, honestly, I will tell everyone there is an expiry date for each one of us. Thank God we don't know that expiry date, but it is there. Let's be honest. When you leave this earth, which you will sooner or later, what would you leave? You know, what will be your legacy? Materialistic things or souls that have been touched by you and changed? This is honestly, that's what Jesus said, you know, have treasures in heaven, not on earth. Mm. What are treasures in heaven? They are souls who are saved. Honestly, this is, this is because you will be forgotten. forgotten. In a couple of months, people will forget you. But those who have their lives been changed, they will never. That's my advice. Yeah, as for me, honestly, I feel in Revelation where Jesus always shared that if you uh, overcome, you will enter the kingdom of God. And I, I pray with all my heart that it is the time as disciples to be ready and prepared for the battle because the battle is coming is coming and we need to be prepared for this battle because jesus even though when the disciples were 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 facing death you know 
he couldn't he didn't chat he didn't like encourage them everything will be good he encouraged them with heaven like your name is written in heaven yes and the same thing i believe i pray with all my heart for all my sisters that they need to be ready and prepared you know with their faith with their heart so and and god will you know because we are created for time like this god is in control and i can make a difference through him mm. so believe in yourself uh, live the dream live for god he deserves to live for him and then if we die or if we live for him it's yeah. for him you know mm. so that's my advice thank you so much and i really appreciate the time appreciate that rob we appreciate your time and uh, just the ministry you're doing is amazing just to encourage the souls of disciples and i love that the encouragement spirit is so needed all around yeah. the kingdom i appreciate agree. that and hopefully one day we can meet uh, in person i'm sure we will i'm sure we will thank you so much for listening to the rob skinner podcast if you're enjoying the podcast let me ask you a favor let your friends know about it and how to find it. Tell your church friends and spread the word. My goal is to inspire you to make this life count, live a no regrets life, and multiply disciples, leaders, and churches. Have a great day and make this life count.